Hey, what's up? It's me, David, host of the First Four Years podcast. Carving out your own path as a creative professional or an entrepreneur is not just a simple to follow process. It's an unfolding journey of self-discovery, learning, and development. So think of this podcast as a journal of that process, what it's really like in the early phase of starting out and building your own path as a creative today. And if you're coming with me on that journey, let's take that next step forward. Welcome to the first four years. Okay, so I just got a text from my friend Hillary, and she said, question, approximately how many new ideas do you come up with per day, and how do you resist the urge to follow them all? And rather than respond just directly back to her, I figured I would record this as a podcast so I could answer her question, and I imagine that this is something that you experience as well. You feel like you have so many ideas, but you just don't know which ones to go with, Um, you know, you're sort of stuck on choosing, you feel like it's maybe a curse when you're being pulled in different directions. And so that's what I want to talk about today is just a few ideas that I have around this topic. So looking at the concept of idea generation, I personally subscribe to the idea that James Altucher has, which is your idea, you have an idea muscle and If you work out that muscle a lot, it will continue to grow. If you don't work out your idea muscle, it will atrophy. And so his recommendation is that every day, no matter what, write down 10 ideas. It could be for your business. It could be for how to improve uh, some product that you like. It could be for ideas for um, topics for your friend's podcast. Whatever it is, work out your idea muscles so that you're constantly generating ideas. And the reason is ideas are power. Yes, execution matters. Um, and, and some people will say it's not the idea, it's the execution. I disagree. I think it is the idea and it is the execution. You need to have both. Good ideas do matter. But regardless, ideas are opportunities. Ideas are optionality for you. And so simply by being somebody who is great at coming up with a lot of new ideas, Um, very efficiently and very often, you will just have more opportunities than other people. Anytime you're in a situation, it might feel tough. You're in a business spot and it feels like you're stuck. If you have a lot of ideas, you always have methods of getting out of it, of changing, of switching uh, careers, of doing something new. Ideas are powerful as opportunities that you can create for yourself. And it's the first step. Yes, execution matters, but ideas matter too. So uh, the first thing is, uh, you know, I'm glad to have a lot of ideas all, all the time. I definitely understand it's tricky um, when you feel like you're being pulled in these different directions. And, you know, every time you have an idea, you get kind of excited, you get the endorphins, it feels so great. Um, but I think the reason that I don't get too stuck there is because I have a process for myself that I feel like works for organizing the, these ideas and then prioritizing them or crossing some out. And so what I like to do is definitely write the idea down. I think that's pretty obvious. Have a system for organizing your ideas. It could be a notebook. Um, I like using spreadsheets and I like using Evernote, but you wanna just document 
these ideas because you'll find that a lot of times when you simply write it down, you come back to it the next day and it feels a lot less shiny. Like you'll have an idea and you'll be like, what if it was, what if I made like Legos, but they're all made with bread and then people could build like bread towers with these Legos, but then they could eat them afterward. Like you'll just have an idea and you'll think it sounds like the sexiest idea in the world. And then the next day you'll look at it and you're like, bread, Legos, what was I thinking? Um, so simply documenting helps to get out of your head, uh, helps you sort of assess it again and understand if you still feel excited about it. And I don't think that you necessarily always need to be excited uh, just logically. It can just be that place of excitement where like, mm, this idea just, I don't know what it is, but something just feels right about this. So you're, you've organized your ideas the next thing that it's really about is assessing which ideas you should start with. Let's say you have a few different ideas. They all seem good, but you don't know which to choose. So what I look for in the ideas that I have today is I look for what I'll call right now kind of the sweet spot idea. And the sweet spot idea is counterintuitive because I think it's generally not the ideas that we like to go with. So to explain how to find the sweet spot, we need to look at the different factors that are sort of playing into any idea we could choose. One is probability of success. Now, I personally, yes, we can understand um, how probable something might, might be as uh, being a success in the market, but I think generally we don't really have a great way of knowing what ideas are going to take off and what aren't until they're in the market. And so I don't spend that much time here. Sometimes ideas that sound totally crazy and a lot of people would say never work do. Um, and so I, I like to almost just look at every idea and just say to myself, 50-50 shot. <laughs> like it could work, it might not work. But there is another factor that's similar, which is risk. And I think that is a way we can filter ideas and assess them. We can say this idea is low risk, medium risk, high risk, super high risk. And what is risk? Risk could be uh, how much money you invest. Risk could be how much time you invest. Risk could be how much of a break from your current mode of operating is this or how much upkeep might this need. And you want to apply that filter so you can understand when you're looking at your ideas um, which which are the most risky and which are the least risky. Now, conventional thought is that high risk means high reward. That's definitely true. It's true in investing. Um, I think it's true in business. But the sweet spot is actually about finding ideas that are not high risk but are high reward. Now, you're going to say, David, of course you want to find something that is low risk but is high reward. But I think the reality is people don't actually act in this way. The sweet spot ideas are ideas that don't take that much effort to get started or to, to put something out. I think it should take you probably six weeks or less for you to put some type of test out in the market uh, with whatever idea you have. So they should be fairly easy and straightforward for getting out the door. And they should potentially have a pretty big upside if they do work. You don't know if it's going to work or not, but they have a big upside. Now, the reason I think people don't go down this path is they believe that they can de-risk an idea by adding investment. And what I mean by that is sometimes we have this huge idea and we think that we can protect ourselves 
by making it less risky if we invest a lot of time and effort into it. And this is a sad thing because a lot of people get stuck here and they waste a ton of money and a ton of time. And so what you'll see sometimes that people do is they they say to themselves, I have an idea, it's the flying car, I'm gonna um, you know invest $2 million and you know 30 people's time for a year and then we're gonna come out with it and then it's crickets and nobody buys. And because you spent $20 million or whatever invested in it, you now have to make 25 million, 40 million back. And so when you spend a lot of time and effort on an idea, you have to get an equal or more return on whatever that idea and investment is. So hopefully this is starting to make sense, um, but I'll use another example that I think is gonna help drive this home, which is the idea for the fortune cookie. Um, This is a popular example for this kind of theory, which is the person who invented the fortune cookie found a very low cost, low effort, quote unquote, low risk idea to add to the cookie to make it a hit, to make it something you remember. I mean, I remember specifically one Chinese restaurant that I love going to with my family. And honestly, part of the highlight of the meal was the fortune cookie. Some baker somewhere said our cookies aren't selling or they're not selling the way I want them to. What if we put a piece of paper inside a cookie. This sounds crazy just explaining it. What if we put a piece of paper, something not edible, inside a cookie that told people their future? They would love to buy it because it'd be this fun experience where you break open the cookie, you get to read your fortune, and then you get this sweet taste afterward. You read it with your friends at dinner, at the end of the meal. It's going to be a blast. Now, the fortune cookie obviously was very cheap to produce. I can print paper from my computer, basically free, cut it up, put it in the next batch of cookies, and voila, the first cookie, fortune cookie can be born. Now, the idea, if we're assessing it in our list, let's say that I'm a bread store and I'm the person assessing all the ideas. I'm gonna look at it and say, is this a high investment, high risk? No, we can print out the paper, you know, Maybe there's some risk in people biting into the paper, but we'll tell the test group beforehand so they understand. Pretty low risk. We could do it in an afternoon. Is it potentially a high reward? Um, Yeah, maybe. I think people would really talk about us. I think they'd talk about this business um, if it became this ritual. And if it becomes a ritual, then, you know, everywhere we can have this. And we'll, we'll we'll sell the restaurants. And now we'll double our revenue just by getting a few restaurants on board. It's a totally new... Uh, avenue for distribution, but it's the same product um, or essentially the same product. And so the fortune cookie idea really starts to hit this sweet spot of we can put it out in a week. It doesn't cost very much. If it goes well, people will love it and will find success. Now that's very different than saying we're going to spend a year of our time making some new type of cake that's never been created before, hoping that it then can pay off double all of the R&D and investment spent. And so I think that's the best way to segment out your ideas. I have a lot more thoughts on this topic, but one, be proud that you're an idea generator. It helps give you more options in your life and keep that muscle strong. Two, definitely write down or capture these ideas. Three, figure out a way to filter them into actionable tests that you can produce in a a low amount of time with a low amount of effort. Of course, there are exceptions to this rule. Of course, if you're Apple, you might need to go big. 
um, and invest a ton. But very often, the more you invest in an idea, the more it really has to pay off. And I don't like being in that position. I'd rather be making these smaller bets in the sweet spot where I think if this does work, we're gonna get a really cool payoff even though it wasn't that much time invested. Um, I definitely would love to continue chatting about this topic. It's something that we do a lot at Death of Stock. A lot of times we send out emails just testing things. Um, I'm playing around with some new kind of frameworks and processes that help us put out more ideas uh, faster with better ways to gauge the reactions. We know if we should double down. All right, I've said enough here. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, please review. That would totally make my day. Um, and if you want to submit questions, just email me, david at the first four years.com. It's the number four. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll chat again soon. Later.